What's up, everybody? Dave here. Just want to remind you that this episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the patrons of the Tube. Personal heroes of mine, such as Chris Nelson and the Top 3 Podcast crew, have gone to patreon.com slash realdavejackson to support the Tube, and they're getting some cool treats in return. You can be like them and head to patreon.com slash realdavejackson, and you will be my hero too. All right, let's get to the show. Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. My guest today is a friend of the show, host of the uh, so lovely titled What the Fuck Do You Want podcast and mushroom farming enthusiast Christopher Love aka Deadbeat Punk. Welcome on the show. And thank you for having me, Dave. It is a pleasure. <laughs> and it's time to turn the tables on you uh, in a way that I'm sure has never been done before, ever. <laughs> and uh, Punk, what the fuck do you want? God, that's a horrible question. I'm a bit offended. <laughs> Who would ask I might a question believe. like that? <laughs> <laughs> and you smiled at me while you did it. Yeah. That's how you know you can trust me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, in a magical world where I could have whatever I wanted and swear all the time, have you ever played Stardew Valley? Stardew, I have played Stardew Valley. Should we pivot and just do a Stardew Valley episode? I think we'll have to now. <laughs> but Stardew Valley was Harvest Moon. They decided Harvest Moon was almost a brilliant game. Mm-hmm. I'll take that idea and make it a brilliant game. I want to do that with Legend of the River King. Okay, what's Legend of the River King? It's a fishing simulator RPG. Okay. So we're going to make that better. Punch crows in the beak. <laughs> well, not only punching foul wildlife. You know, you could befriend a bear. It could help you fight the crows. Uh-huh. You could start your own little farm. Uh-huh. You could grow berries. Go on. You could grow questionable herbs or Ooh. you could grow very magic mushrooms. Tell me more about these mushrooms. Well, these mushrooms, I think if you ate them, they would have health benefits, like Mm -hmm. not rejecting all your internal organs in one (laughs) final movement. You know, I think I would be into some of those magic... uh, Well, you know what, Dave? I would be more than happy to share. Go on. If... These magic mushrooms... Yeah? 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 (laughs) Well, if these magic mushrooms could give you health retaining benefits, Mm -hmm. if you were some kind of robot... Ooh, I think I know what you're talking about here. Do you, per chance, want to talk about Citizen Sleeper? I do want to talk about Citizen Sleeper. Citizen Sleeper, the acclaimed sci-fi survival RPG developed by Gareth Damian Martin, aka Jump Over the Age, published by fellow traveler for modern consoles in 2022. That one? Oh, have you heard of it? I have. Funny, uh, funny you would ask to talk about that on the show. Yeah. All right. Citizen Sleeper it is. Now, if you're going to give an elevator pitch for Citizen Sleeper, what would you say? Hmm. Did you like Disco Elysium? 
but did you not enjoy crying yourself to sleep afterwards? <laughs> well, homeboy, have I got the game for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that tracks. Um, I wrote down uh, elevator pitch for Citizen Sleeper, a sci-fi tabletop inspired RPG about humanity, capitalism, and consciousness. And yes, I will just straight out say very Disco Elysium vibes coming from this game, for sure. I like your pitch better. <laughs> I feel you could use that. I mean, Disco Elysium, but not with soul-crushing sadness is... There's something to be said for that. <laughs> Although I do love the soul-crushing sadness. Um, oh yeah, it's part and parcel, but you know, <laughs> sometimes you need a break from that. Yeah, for sure. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Citizen Sleeper. It's going to be a regular Tales from the Backlog spoiler policy. Uh, there are a lot of cool mechanics going on in this game to talk about and also some cool story setup. And then in the spoiler section, as always, we'll talk through um, spoiler story stuff. I don't, I don't know why I feel the need to explain what happens behind the spoiler wall. Spoilers are there. I get confused easily. Thank you for the explanation. <laughs> okay, good. And before that, uh, I want to give you a chance, uh, Punk, to talk about um, how do you introduce the show to people? Do you say I have a podcast called What the Fuck Do You Want? Or do you announce it as WTFDYW? I have been going with WTFDYW because it's a okay. horrible acronym or initialization. <laughs> it's it's a lot. Yeah. It's so unnatural and jarring. And <laughs> if anybody has been unlucky enough to see the artwork, I picked the most obnoxious caustic colors and throwing uh -huh. them all together blue yellow and kind of like a a seafoam green yeah it's horrible <laughs> it looks like a disease you're doing good with the marketing on all fronts <laughs> swear at people shout uh, i like to shout my name in through people's letter boxes i think that people really remember you after that uh-huh <laughs> if people haven't guessed yes i work in advertising <laughs> Very good. Uh, so what happens on each episode of the show besides uh, swearing and accusative questions? <laughs> Not a big pile, actually. No, <laughs> I do try to keep them half an hour in length. Every 10th episode, I celebrate as I'm shocked I make it to 10 episodes every time. So they mm -hmm. run on a little longer. And I just ask people, what would you like to talk about for half an hour? No matter what it would happen to be. Actually, Dave, now that I think about it, you were on the show once. I was on the show once. I picked a topic that took a lot of work and a lot of, um, let's say, production skill on your part to keep it to 30 minutes uh, because I wanted to <laughs> talk about the entire Yakuza video game franchise in 30 minutes. It was impressive, and I had to resist the urge to double speed up our voices. <laughs> it could have been. We could have fit in twice as much. I think that's oh, how yeah. math works. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a show I really enjoy listening to partly because different topic every day, partly because of the, um, uh, the, the warmth and friendness, uh, between host and guest on the show. Very nice. Very I've touching. Never heard that before, but thank you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I really enjoy the banter each episode and, um, I don't practice what I preach, but I do love a 30 minute podcast. It's a, it's a good length. <laughs> You do have to butcher it to keep it under the time limits, but yeah, there's a lot to be said about natural conversation too. Yeah, it's. I mean, I've I've never listened to an episode of your show and thought like, oh, he's obviously cutting out stuff. This doesn't make sense. It always it always. <laughs> I fits. do. Oh, that was too sharp. <laughs> but it still makes sense. It's all right. 
Oh, thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> it's all right. You're too kind. Yeah. Um, so a recommendation for uh, the hideous acronym WTFDYW, a.k.a. What the Fuck Do You Want podcast. Um, it has uh, become a part of my li- regular listening rotation. Different topic every time. A lot of video game topics, which is why I think you and I connected um, mm-hmm. uh, the way we did. But other stuff, too. I mean, I've enjoyed listening to. There was an episode recently at the time of recording about shock rock. And I enjoyed that episode quite a bit uh, because I did go through a little bit of a, you know, a shock rock type phase a while ago. And Mm -hmm. I have a lot of affection for a lot of those bands. So uh, yeah, everyone check out the show. I'll put stuff down in the show notes uh, about it. So uh, easy recommendation. Let's get into talking about citizen sleeper, AKA the mushroom farming simulator. And starting with our histories with the game. Uh, so guest always goes first. Punk, why did you want to play Citizen Sleeper? Citizen Sleeper was one of those names I was familiar with for a while. The trailers didn't give too much away. When you finally play the game, you understand why. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would have played it unless it came out on Game Pass. Yeah. So I downloaded it because I thought, what are you going to lose apart from your time? It was a wet, miserable weekend. Not much going on. And I thought, yeah, I'll give this a whirl for an hour. And mm-hmm. it was one of those things. Oh, I've just lost about six hours to this. <laughs> I've just, I got lost in that game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a completionist by anybody's standards, but in no time flats, I had every achievement in that game. Nice. Mm-hmm. And Dave, how did you get involved with this game? Yeah, sure. Um, so I played In Other Waters, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, the previous game from Gareth Damian Martin, uh, which is we play kind of like a, a diver exploring um, an alien planet. Mm. And I like I like that game. The one th- the one takeaway I took from that game is that the writing was really good, and like the world building and stuff was a lot was really interesting. Like I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed exploring and reading and finding out the story in that. Uh, So when I, when citizen sleeper came out, it got some game pass buzz, but I don't have game pass. So I was like, Oh, we'll see about that. Loser. Then I found, yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) I'm down here with the scrubs paying for games, like some kind of asshole. Um, But then I found out it was Gareth Damian Martin from mm-hmm. in other waters and i was like oh okay i'm gonna play this now so i bought it on switch like pretty much as soon as i figured it out and kind of like you this is a good chance to get into some opening thoughts about the game kind of like you i played this it was hard to put this game down like oh, yeah this became sort of like disco elysium a game i would play for 30 minutes before bed uh because it, it it's basically all reading so mm-hmm. I like to play games like that before bed, but this was one where I was like, okay, I'll just give me, give me one more day. Cause we'll, we'll get into like the, the game loop and stuff like that later, but it's really hard to put down. It's interesting. Um, it's kind of addicting for a game that out. If you just look at a screenshot, you would be like, how, how would you not be able to put this down for bed? But kind of like you, it's, it's really interesting. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the, um, the kind of dystopian world building, uh, the writing as I guessed, it's really interesting, really good. <laughs> and we're going to talk about this, but this game has some great 
like dice based uh, tabletop RPG type mechanics uh, mm. that I really love. So this is pretty much a home run for me. And um, about six hour playtime, I want to say, like you said, it's it's one of those not very long. Uh, you can no. certainly play it for longer. But yeah. What do you think? Opening thoughts about Citizen Sleeper? The opening thought that caught me was how much I loved the idea of Citizen Sleeper itself, the sleeper unit. Yeah. We've had Reploid stories. We've had, you know, AI gone rogue. We've had runaway robots. It's a cliche. It's boring. We've, we've seen it all. Mm-hmm. But this felt so fresh. I adore this. I mean, opening doors, how how do you feel? How did you get on with it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, hard to hard to put it down. Mm-hmm. And I like it I love the world building, I love the writing. Like you said, the idea of a sleeper, really creative. That opening part of the game, you're so alone, you're isolated. Mm-hmm. The eye at the station you find yourself on is this vast, scary place. Yeah. But the more you explore, you slowly get to meet people. It becomes a strange home. Yeah. So that air of alienation that doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. Kind of a bit like life. If you go somewhere that you're scared of for the first time, go around and explore. And it doesn't seem so bad after that. Yeah. Not always, you know. Nah. <laughs> some bits of Ireland you wouldn't walk around on your own. <laughs> yeah, Uh Let's uh, take a little music break, and when we come back, we'll kind of expand on that story setup, because I think it is pretty special. So in Citizen Sleeper, you are uh, kind of, it's set in this kind of capitalist future space dystopia. Um, And we talked about sleepers. So we'll just explain what that is. Um, In the future, in the capitalist dystopian future, some people attempt to pay off their massive debts to this, it's called the SNR Corporation, uh, by going into a sort of stasis with their real body, while their consciousness is emulated in a robotic um, shell, they call it. Uh, and that robot works until the debt is paid off. So it's like a indentured servitude, but your real body is in stasis while this robot, uh, but your consciousness is in the robot. So your consciousness is experiencing all these things. And those robots are called sleepers, and that's what your character is. So we talked about this a little bit uh, already, but I think this is super cool. And a lot of times, like when I was playing this game, I would think, you know, I'm having a lot of success. My character is having success. I'm doing well. But then that thought, or you get reminded by something that someone says where they ask you, like, what's it like as a sleeper? You're an emulated consciousness. Your real body is not here. Your real body is somewhere else. So is this success uh, real? Mm-hmm. Uh, are the friendships you're making real? What do you? F- how do you feel about your old body being fucking 
light years away or however far away it is. It's a really cool concept, I think. It is almost a metaphor about working for a big corporation, how you literally sell yourself away. Yeah. Just and if for I remember survival. right, um, in other waters also dealt with this kind of subject material, this you know corporate greed and mm-hmm. uh, treating people as expendable uh, to a certain extent. And this is just a natural uh, progression of that, I think. But from a storytelling narrative, you're yeah. instantly an outsider. Everybody that you meet is different from you. Every time you meet somebody, they have a reaction to your character. It it's it sounds like a small touch, but it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And not only are you an outsider, this is it's a little bit different than being a foreigner in a strange country or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you're literally like not you're a sleeper, and the, the the rest of them are not. They're you know they're various forms of people or um, uh, what do you call it cyborgs or something like that um, yeah. in the game. But you are a sleeper, and you're the only sleeper there. You are different from everybody else in that way. People have heard of sleepers. Mm-hmm. Not many have had interactions with sleepers. Right. So you're getting fear. You're getting curiosity. Yeah. You're getting hatred now and again. Mm-hmm. There is, and I don't mean to jump ahead. You visit a location and somebody refers to you as a haunt. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there are terms against what you are. Mm-hmm. So it does, it just, it sets you in to this character type so well. Yeah. And the reason you're there uh, is because your character, the sleeper, has uh, run away from this indentured servitude and kind of stowed away on a ship. And the, the game mm-hmm. begins with this ship arriving at a floating station called the Eye. This is where the game takes place. The sleeper is cut free. Uh, Someone kind of rescues you. The game has a really strong beginning where your character is kind of struggling to stay alive as a stowaway Mm. on this ship. The opening text about closing down the function of your limbs to reserve energy Mm -hmm. and the urge to stretch but wanting to avoid the Ah, claustrophobia. Yeah, that it makes my skin crawl that. Yeah, Yeah, thinking about that. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot about the writing here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like wall-to-wall fantastic uh, writing. And even just describing the setting is, I think, super creative. Um, so mm-hmm. the sleepers cut free from the ship that they were stowing away on. And there's a person that kind of helps you. They say that you can stay, you can sleep in this um, empty cargo container, but that's all the help mm-hmm. you're getting. You You know, this is... Not a place where people can just be like, yes, come, you know, eat my food, take my resources. It's not that kind of place. <laughs> so right from the very beginning, you're on your own and you have to um, survive. couple things working against you here. The S&R Corporation that you ran away from is very invested in making sure that sleepers can't run away. And if they do escape, making sure they get those robot shells back because they're expensive. So there's going to be people coming for you and there's a kind of um, planned obsolescence to the robot shells where they degrade over time. The only way to kind of get back to peak condition is to use this thing called stabilizer, which is only manufactured by the SNR corporation to keep their sleepers running. If a sleeper mm-hmm. runs away and doesn't have access to it, their body will literally fall apart. So 
a lot of things working against you surviving here. So this is just the beginning and kind of like the the pressures that your character feels and that you as the player feel. It's amazing how there is energy in the game. You are required to eat to finish a, cy- a cycle. You are required to sleep. And then just putting the stabilizer on top of that. Mm-hmm. Because you can source stabilizer early game but most methods are out of your reach are incredibly expensive yep and if your condition falls you get less dice rolls which Mm -hmm. makes it harder to get money makes it harder to explore because you have fewer (laughs) actions in a day yep so this was actually quite stressful on the first playthrough yeah and for for quite a long time, I felt the stress of all these kind of survival meters that you have and the resources mm-hmm. that you need to get uh, to manage them. And I don't tend to like survival games or survival type systems. Like I, I never really want to play a game that has a hunger meter where you have to eat. Because mm-hmm. a lot of those games, like I, I just I feel like like uh, there's some famous. Um, modes or mods in the fallout games uh, especially the 3d fallout games that introduce this stuff but it's not hard to you find food everywhere in those games you find water everywhere so well, fallout new vegas had a hardcore mode yeah and that's that required what you of. to drink yeah uh, that of course as you'd expect got expanded on with mods mm-hmm. become a bit more realistic yeah um but i don't play like let's i'm trying to think of survive like don't starve games like Mm -hmm. that i'm not super interested in uh because i'm not interested in fighting off things and doing the survival stuff it's just not like what i want out of games i didn't know that this game was going to have these type of survival mechanics but i ended up Mm -hmm. really liking them because they're simple there's only two meters you have to pay attention to your energy and your condition yeah and the resources for those are not everywhere. They're not abundant, but they're also not like you're not going to you're not going to die unless you like completely neglect it, right? No, well, that's the thing. Even if you get into critical condition, mm-hmm. I think worst case scenario, you lose a skill point. You, you oh, will okay. not fail the game by running out of everything. Okay, so that's kind of like goes into my like kind of thoughts about this survival thing. Like Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this because it's not super difficult, but it's also not something that you can, it's not trivial, right? You have to pay attention to it. It's kind of rule. It's looming over every action you take uh, throughout the days, but it's also not like the most punishing thing ever. It's not like restart the game. If you Mm -hmm. fall down to zero, I kept myself topped up, like I made sure to kind of save money, not spend it on other stuff so I could buy stabilizer and then Mm -hmm. maximize my dice rolls. But I have been doing some reading and I think there are people who kind of let that go down and there are ways to like through skills or other stuff to kind of play with low condition and not very many dice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there is a perk even when you're critical, you you retain two dice rolls rather mm-hmm. than just the one. So even things like that, and then you can repair yourself with scrap metal, depending on your build. Yeah. 
Yep. So there are ways so, to kind of get around it. Mm-hmm. The game isn't cruel. It's it's quite straightforward, and it will let you know when you're running low. Mm-hmm. The uh, HUD or HUD is very clear. Yeah. So I think this does a great job of kind of like um, through game mechanics, making you feel some of your characters struggle uh, to survive mm-hmm. with, you know, an unfamiliar place. You have no money when you start. Um, your body is literally falling apart. You have to stay on top of those things. I really like how the game mechanics reinforce that. Uh, did you feel that struggle when you were playing? Of course, the whole way through, but mainly there are certain tasks and you only get so many cycles to complete them. Mm-hmm. And when you are focused because you want to get this done, you want to move the story along, you want to see where it's going, so mm-hmm. you're hyper-focused on your task, then you realize you haven't eaten in two days. <laughs> and because you haven't eaten in two days, your stability level is dropping at a quicker rate. Mm-hmm. And say, oh, I'm in quite a bad situation here because I wasn't paying attention. See, I kept up on that. But it's another way of feeling that struggle. It's that like, Mm -hmm. I have five days to complete this task, but I need to use some of my actions every day to get food or make money to buy food or stuff like that. So I definitely improved as the game went along uh once you got the hang of it. But I'd be the sort of person I would let my stability drop two bars before (laughs) using the stabilizer because I felt like I got my money's worth then. Okay. Yeah. There were definitely like, at least for a while, um, I wasn't like cutting it super close with the stabilizer, but I would let it get down farther than I wanted to, uh, just Mm -hmm. because there were other things I needed to use that money on or use those actions that I could have made money with other stuff I had to do instead. And it, it ends up, there's a lot of things that you're juggling, like tasks, timed events, food uh like energy in this game it's called energy your hunger and then your condition you're trying to juggle all these things and Mm -hmm. again i i think it really reinforces what the character is going through it is a role-playing game that puts you bang into the role Mm -hmm. does exactly what it says on the tin and find yourself in a situation where you have money for food or a stabilizer Mm -hmm. and maybe not both and when you find yourself in a game pausing between what's the best for your character, it's like, yeah, this game's got you hook, line, and sinker. Uh-huh. Yeah. It is a game where you're kind of forced to make those role-playing decisions from time to time. Um, mm-hmm. As uh, sleepers are emulated consciousnesses, you <laughs> you can also traverse <laughs> a, a kind of digital world. Um, you can kind of like Shadowrun, if you've ever played those games. Um, you mm-hmm. can hack into uh, access points and things like that. You can do these to uh, make money um, by hacking, stealing data and selling it. Or um, yeah. sometimes you'll find items or there's quests in there too. Uh, did you mess around with this kind of digital stuff? Oh, I didn't, Dave, when I was hinting at finding stabilizer with other methods earlier. Mm-hmm. Collecting data to trade into a shady backroom dealer is one of the earliest ways to get free stabilizer once yeah and i'm well i'm glad you brought that up you said there's like a kind of black market trader that you can sell data to and stuff like that there are a lot of characters on the eye uh, that you can come in contact with and i really like how kind of your character is this stranger in a strange land and all Mm -hmm. the characters uh some of them seem friendly and they're not trustworthy some of them 
are quite gruff, but they are trustworthy. Yeah. And some of them you talk to and you're like, I have no idea, no fucking idea if this is a good person or not, <laughs> but I don't have a choice. I have to deal with them. A lot of the characters are like this strange mix of unsavory yet adorable. Uh-huh. The gruff man that cooks the mushrooms who enjoys a story. I was like, yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Kind of reminded <laughs> me of the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Just kind of like, go in, order your mushrooms, shut the fuck up unless I ask you for a story, then tell me a story. But that's it. Don't talk to me. <laughs> so yeah, every character you come across, uh, the bartender is an early one that mm-hmm. you instantly... I think it's possibly the first outrightly kind character you meet on the eye. Yeah. And that really... And it does, it is a game, but when you're putting yourself in that situation and you're like, this is the first person to show me a kindness and treat you like a person Mm -hmm. as a sleeper. I think that's actually where you got called a haunt. (laughs) Oh, by like a patron in the bar. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't stand for it at all and Mm -hmm. just kicks him out of the bar. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, you know, that means a lot to me. I remember things like that. Yeah. Especially from, you need a bartender you can trust. Oh, yeah. One of the first characters you meet is a character named Fang, who's going to ask you to um, help spy for him, steal data (laughs) for him, stuff like that. He seems very friendly. Um, All the character portraits in this game are- I didn't like Fang to begin with. Yeah, (laughs) you didn't like him? (laughs) No, he just, he rubbed me up the wrong way. I don't know what it was. See, and that's what I'm getting toward. Like, he- I thought he was friendly, but also he's clearly mm-hmm. up to no good. But you don't have a whole lot of options on the station, especially when someone tells you uh, that they can help you. Uh, one of he tells you right at the beginning, um, the uh, uh, what's it? The sleeper shells have trackers. They have beacons on them that the corporation can use to track them down. And he tells you, like, you do this stuff for me, I'll take that tracker off. And that's like a huge deal for your character. So even if you're like, I don't like this guy, what choice (laughs) do you really have unless you want to bank on there being another way to get rid of it later? Sorry, I cut you off there when you were going to talk about the character portraits. And that's also something that is worth talking about. Mm -hmm. They're really good. Uh, They so there's not there's not. 90 characters in this game mm-hmm. uh to talk to i would say there's maybe 20 to 25 something it, like that is that portrait that makes this game feel like a visual novel but mm-hmm. not a static one this actually has gameplay along with it yeah and nothing against visual novels oh, no. uh, but there visual is novels like a really are horrible they're not good books they're bad video games <laughs> anybody that plays them should feel bad unless that's your thing work away i don't care <laughs> this game does have like gameplay behind it, mm. uh, but these portraits are kind of visual novel-esque. Uh, they have a lot of personality. Um, and what I noticed, another thing I noticed is that um, the portraits are like when, it, when a character is drawn with all these kind of things on them, you know, accessories, accoutrement, mm-hmm. shit on them. Uh, the text backs that up and it's referenced. And then sometimes they have little stories behind the reason they looked as fucked up as they do or um, their accessories or their gear, their armor, whatever. Even things that you've seen in the character portrait and it mightn't be explained what those things are until the very last moment of text. I say, Mm -hmm. I've seen that the entire time, but I had to be told Mm -hmm. to actually connect the dots. Yeah. 
the digital art book actually comes with an edition of the Steam version of the game. Oh, cool. So I do own it, but I haven't looked at it yet. So that's really <laughs> bad go. research. Yeah. <laughs> Professional podcasters here. I never pretend to be more than what I am. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, yeah, these uh, these character portraits are super detailed. Mm -hmm. And so if you decide to play Citizen Sleeper, or if you've played already and you didn't look closely, like just look at some of them, look at your favorite character's portraits. There's a lot there. And those details are not just details for the sake of being details. They're part of the character no, uh, the, in a lot of cases. The writing team? I think mostly solo. I think it's mostly Gareth, Damian, Martin doing Fantastic. the game. Most like the bulk of the development. They must have had such a close relationship with the art department. I know it's a small team anyway, but yeah, there's normally a disconnect between certain segments of games and they're brought well, together. Yeah, sure. If you're playing a game that has a team of hundreds um, together, yeah, but it's you know another feather in the cap of some indie developers that it's just one person or a small group of people and they can work mm -hmm. super super closely on this all aspects definitely work towards those strengths yeah um and it, we're i we're just going to keep coming back to the writing i feel like whenever we or we talk Dear, about a section have i told you about the writing <laughs> i don't know if you sublime did. um speaking of the writing this game has multiple endings, uh, depending on which way you play and who you choose to deal with, uh, what quest lines you choose to pursue. This isn't a game that has, you know, uh, like in the quarry uh, not too long ago that has uh, over 100 endings or something like that. Mm -hmm. There's a handful, but they all feel different based on who you choose to associate with and whose quest lines you choose to follow. We'll talk about our experiences in the store in the spoiler section. But I do want to tell you uh, that for a lot of the endings, uh, maybe even all of them, you can continue mm -hmm. playing after you get your ending, um, especially with some of the choices that you can make, you can continue playing. So you can do the quest line that you feel most connected to, and then you can probably keep playing and continue meeting other characters and doing their quests uh, because, mm -hmm. again, the writing is great. You want to read about what these characters have to say. And it's quite surprising at how differently they can play out given the choices. Normally when you make choices in a text-based game, they're not really choices. They kind of route you back to the original point. It always ends the same way. Mm -hmm. But there are some quite rich branches in this game. Yeah. I played through this i think four or five times just to get seeing everything so nice that should speak volumes and i am somebody that values my time yeah yeah same i'm i'm not someone who replays games uh very often or even goes back to games after i hit the credits um but mm. actually i think it was i shared in your discord server that i had beaten the game and someone was like you know you can keep playing right and i was like oh shit so i went back got a few more endings did a few more quest yeah. lines. Uh, yeah, game like that. I really appreciate that. We'll probably get into it in the spoiler section, but some of those endings made me hate myself even more. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Something to be said for a game that makes you hate yourself more than you already do. <laughs> Fantastic work, people. <laughs> 
one thing I think is really cool about the characters in this game um, and goes along with the um, the developer, Gareth Damian Martin, is that mm-hmm. uh, this game uses a lot of gender neutral pronouns for characters. Uh, if you stop and look at it, and I, I was maybe more on guard or on notice for stuff like this because mm-hmm. Gareth Damian Martin goes by they, them. So when I found that out and I was kind of just more like looking for stuff like that, there are a lot of characters in the game that are referred to as they. It's a very subtle thing if you're not looking for it. And it's a very natural thing too. But I think it's really cool to see kind of representation of characters Mm -hmm. living their normal lives with uh, non-binary pronouns. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Not only to be included, but not to be a spectacle. It was so natural. They were just people on a space station. Yeah. As we all would be. And I think there is a horrible thing with video games, especially to be seen as inclusive. They add characters, but they're not characters. They're they're almost stereotypes of themselves. So it was nice to see just characters being included, having their stories. And it feels so natural. I wasn't aware of the creator's pronouns, so that actually explains quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's cool how indie games in particular do a much better job of representation, I feel mm-hmm. like, than a lot of AAA games. And TV shows and movies do this all the time, yeah. too, where, you know, and it's getting better, but, you know, they they want to have a, a gay character in their show or something <laughs> like that. So they're the gay character, and that's their character. Well, they're I the gay think character. you'll find this character isn't complete until we give her a gay best friend. Right. As all women do, of course. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that one was a little bit more uh, like 90s, early 2000s, yeah. right? <laughs> Thankfully, we've <laughs> moved away from that somewhat. Yeah, but indie games in particular do a really good job of um, being inclusive and uh, representative of the way real people live their lives, mm-hmm. uh, where... Like the fact that they're non-binary or gay or something like that is not like the main thing about them. And oh, no. in Citizen Sleeper, there's lots of characters who you you might not even notice that they're not being referred to as he or she. They just mm-hmm. are. And if you're keyed into that, you'll see it. But the characters are never mentioning it, really. And it's never like a they, they don't make jokes about it. I mean, this is a no. serious game, but it's not a they're not it's not the type of game where characters are gonna joke about it but you know what i mean Mm -hmm. again i was so impressed with how natural it was and there were characters that you had been talking to and it only twigged you could have been talking to this person five six times and then you notice the pronouns and it's like oh there isn't a song and dance about this at all nope and I think that's the way everybody should be treated. It's Agreed. Not, they're not a tick box, so you can include everyone. Yep. People are people. It's very cool. And uh, we'll do our best when we get to the spoiler section and we start talking about specific mm-hmm. characters uh, to refer to them correctly. Uh, although I did not write down pronouns for each character. I will do my best. Yeah. Uh, uh, do forgive <laughs> us. It's ignorance, yeah. not arrogance. Yep. Yep, but uh, very cool, nice inclusion, and um, it's always good to see representation done in a, a what I feel like is a good, a good, <laughs> effective way, not a loud way. 
it would have been awkward if this was going to be my one complaint that I was going to bring up about the game. <laughs> well, actually, Dave, <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? Yeah, that would have been rough. <laughs> luckily, luckily, you're not that type of person. Oh, thankfully. <laughs> So we talked about, we kind of mentioned that this game is uh, kind of tabletop RPG based um, Mm -hmm. in the gameplay. So it is an RPG and it has a really good dice system uh, that kind of controls everything you're doing. So as an RPG, you pick one of three starting classes. Uh, Each class specializes in one skill, but after you start, you can add skill points wherever you want. And by the time I finished the game, I had almost completely filled out the skill tree. Mm -hmm. So your starting class just kind of is your starting build, but it's not locking you into any one way of play. It is a game where um, you get skill points uh, that give you bonus passive skills um, as you go through this uh, skill tree. Things like, uh, like we said earlier, being able to use scrap parts to repair your body. Uh, being able to uh, sunbathe in order to restore energy. There is that perk that takes 20% off all purchases that I go straight for. Yeah, money is very, very precious in this game. All about them chits. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I I focused a lot on the kind of engineering and I think it's called interfacing, like the hacking yeah. type skills. Uh, Because those were the things that I was having the most fun doing in the game. So I just picked the skills that supported that. But then, like I said, by the end, I had enough skill points for probably 80% of the skill Mm -hmm. tree. And it's not a big skill tree. There's like 15 things on it that you can unlock. Not a long game, so. I do wonder, because there is DLC available, did they leave Mm -hmm. a bit of wiggle room? Because they knew that was coming. Yeah. Yeah. At the time of recording, there's been one DLC released and there's two more planned, I believe. Flux. Yeah. What the flux do you want? (laughs) We'll talk about uh, at least that first DLC pack in the spoiler part. Uh, But non-spoiler part, it's good. Uh, If you like Citizen Sleeper, you'll most certainly like the DLC. So um, we talked about the dice. So every day, uh, your character rolls up to five dice and... Um, depending on your current condition and energy levels, those dictate how many dice you get. Uh, so if you're at full energy and full uh, condition, you'll get five. And as those degrade, you'll get less and less. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of talked about the condition and energy uh, earlier. No need to repeat uh, too much, but use stabilizer to regain condition. That ticks down each day. And each day you'll lose two energy sections Uh, eat food, or do some tasks to replenish that. Yeah. Uh, So these are survival, always hanging over you. We talked about them earlier. I think they're very good. I would have to agree. My man. (laughs) So uh, the dice. Mm -hmm. Throughout the game. The six dice is my favorite. Six is your favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite number. It means you can do anything. It's a bold stance. Live life like you're a six. (laughs) So... Um, you go
go through and you talk to people and complete tasks via skill checks, uh, just mm-hmm. like a lot of tabletop RPG systems. Uh, but these use your dice. So a skill check can have a positive, negative, or neutral outcome. And these are based on what number dice you play. So uh, higher, like six, will always succeed. Come on, um, six. But what I like about this is that a one it will not necessarily fail. I believe mm-hmm. it's like 25% success, 50% neutral, 25% negative, I mm-hmm. think, for a one. Yeah, one of the perks will actually let you know what the outcomes will be. Yeah, it'll tell you when you attempt a skill check, it will tell you the percentages of your outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, Your skill tree also plays into this uh, where you'll get bonuses for certain actions. Mm -hmm. So if you play a five, but you have a plus one for that skill, congrats, you have a six, 100% success and so on. I did find myself saving the ones and twos for interfacing or hacking. Mm-hmm. Traveling the cloud. Yeah. And that's one interesting part about the dice system is that some like actions or skill checks that you want to do require a certain number. So mm-hmm. you, you can't try it unless you have a two. So a lot of times you're right. Like, You'll roll up your dice. Maybe you have a one or a two. You can't really use that for difficult things, but then you can go in that kind of hacking matrix and there's probably something you can do with that and succeed. Mm-hmm. Because I never found myself ending a cycle with a dice roller two spare. You use every one no, of them you, you have. You have to use all of them. They're mm-hmm. they're so precious. It's an unwritten rule. Maybe they shouldn't force it in a patch. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't use your dice, then someone comes and just punches you in the stomach. <laughs> Some Irish fella comes around and shouts into your letterbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's another touch I really like about the dice system too. Um, the dice have colors on them. They're color coded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, a one or a two will be all white. A three or four will be half white, half yellow. A five and six are full yellow. So it it just takes a lot of, you know, I don't know. You don't have to count dice. It just yeah. look at the colors and it's really, really helpful just at a quick glance. And I, um, assume that that's also some type of accessibility feature, which is always good. A very nice touch. Everything's made very clear. I did find myself on the original playthrough having a few slights with the controls, mm-hmm. but on a display point, everything's nice, clear. You can make out where everything is with the icons. Yeah. I actually found when you were upgrading the uh-huh. the highlight color is a burgundy purple. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was in the wrong place because when you move it, something turns white. I say, oh, oh, the white box must be my cursor. And then I'd exit out of something. Yeah. What did you play this on? Did you play it on I Xbox? I played it on the Series X, yeah. Yeah, okay. I played on Switch, uh, so... Did it have touchscreen? I don't. I don't use touchscreen. I I never want to touch my Switch's screen ever. Not with my, my grubby hands. sausage fingers. <laughs> <laughs> hands of a king. I assume that playing this on PC, there's like no ambiguity about where your no. cursor is and stuff like that. Except if you're playing with mouse, perfect. Yeah, for sure. Um, there is a lot going on on screen, and I think the UI is genuinely generally very clear about mm-hmm. what's going on. But you're right. There are some times where if you're using a, a D-pad or something to scroll through the stuff, 
there were some times where it was like, how do I get the cursor over to this side of the screen or, um, cycling through, maybe you'll have like five possible options on the screen of like skill mm-hmm. checks to do. And you're like, which one am I highlighting right now? I, you have to do that thing you do on PC when you can't find your mouse, just wiggle <laughs> it all over and try and find where it's changing. On the build up to this episode, I was cheeky and actually had a little go on. It's not X cloud anymore. Game pass mobile. Uh huh. So I could stream my save file of citizen sleeper to my phone. Oh, nice. And yeah, it has touch screen, not touch screen controls that you can press buttons, but the sticks, the buttons are on. Right. Yeah. Fantastic way to play if you're looking for something to do on your lunch break when nobody's looking. Mm-hmm. But I just, when it is running on a touch screen, I just think it'd be a nice touch to be able to actually manipulate it. Yeah, I can see this. I didn't even check if there's mm. touchscreen controls no, on the Switch. No, I was just wondering if it was on the Switch, did it do that? Because I'm sure this game's on iPad. I haven't done I haven't done enough research. Yeah, I didn't see if it was on iOS either. This would be a really good iPad game because mm-hmm. there's just a lot of simple inputs that a touchscreen would be really, you know, excellent for. So the uh, the dice system that you're rolling with is everything in this game. Everything that you do, every action other than spending money on stuff requires Mm -hmm. the dice. Uh, You cannot really do any type of thing other than buy food um, or buy stabilizer without using dice. So your dice are really precious. That means that uh, keeping your energy topped up was really important for me so that I could Mm -hmm. maximize how many dice I had. Uh, Because like you said earlier, lots of stuff is on a timer and... If you're running, if you don't have very many dice, you can't do a whole lot of stuff and you might run out of time on stuff like that. So it was yeah. really important to me to try and make as much money as I could, to try to stay fed, to try to stay in good condition, to try to keep at least four dice, four out and of five. I do you think it's that loop? That's yeah. how it got the, the claws in. It became not addictive, but compelling. Mm-hmm. And it really would have suffered without that, even though it was almost anxiety-inducing to begin with. Mm-hmm. Once you got into the rhythm, you really stayed on top of it. Yeah, and you mentioned that loop. All of this is taking place on like a day cycle thing. They call them cycles in the game. Uh, so when you run out of actions, when you run out of dice, there's really not much you can do. You have to go to sleep and try again the next day. Mm-hmm. But each of these days... The way I was playing, maybe having a few conversations, doing up to five skill checks, and then going to sleep. The days are like two to five minutes long. They're real oh, short yeah. unless you're talk unless you're in a big story conversation and really taking your time reading, which you should. But they're really short. In oh, that, anybody ever skipped the text in this needs slap. Oh God, can you imagine? I wouldn't like to. I don't want to live in that sort of world. <laughs> this this would be like the world's most boring dice simulator if you skipped all the dialogue. But uh, that game loop is so short that it be it became like that roguelike type mentality where it's like, I'm just, mm-hmm. I want to do one more day and then I one more day's over. And it's like, well, I could play one more day and then that one's over. And it's like, <laughs> well, all right, it's, it's 1.30 a.m. now, but I can play one more day. 
I don't really need any more than three hours sleep before work. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, less than three hours of sleep is the same as not sleeping at all. So one more day. <laughs> it's actually better for me if I just stay up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's actually worse to sleep for two hours. I read that on the <laughs> internet somewhere. Oh, it has to be true. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't get that thought from my mind? Because I've heard you people can do that too. That's true. It might have been on your blog or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this became a genuinely like fun game to play, which is not what I, I wouldn't call in other waters fun. Like mm. I, I enjoyed it. It's really interesting. I enjoyed reading it, but I love these dice mechanics uh, and the role playing in this game. And we mentioned the, the multiple endings earlier as an RPG, you're going to get a bunch of quests to do. You cannot yeah. do all of them. You have to pick which ones you want to follow. You can do all of them if you play forever, but throughout like the course of a normal campaign, mm -hmm. you need to choose which quest lines to follow because you don't have enough resources to do everything. And I just really, really enjoyed this. And sometimes I had hard decisions between like, I have a problem, two people are offering me a solution to it. Mm -hmm. Which way do I want to take this? And I think that's a lovely touch too, because you gravitate towards certain characters more than others mm -hmm. there are items in this game and there are enough items for everybody to do every quest line but you may only have access to one or two you know yeah well they're both looking for this but i like them more so i'm gonna give it to them for no other reason than i just like the story better there there were a couple times where i got a very valuable item mm -hmm. and i gave it to someone with a to finish a quest and i didn't get a super immediate reward for it and <laughs> then i talked to somebody and they were like hey if you give me this i will solve your big problem basically mm -hmm. and i was like fuck how do i get another one of those that took me <laughs> that took me like weeks of game time to get yeah. that it is fantastic that it's different going back to this game after you're aware how to get things and how the system mm -hmm. works yeah. But that first time you're scratching your head, you're looking everywhere. Locations aren't open to you when you first start the game. You have to go to like overlooks. You have to go into uh, city centers, mm -hmm. ask people, bribe people to get directions. So the way it slowly opens up as well. So when you do meet characters, they may be the only new characters you meet for quite a few cycles. Mm hmm. So you have to go into their quest lines a little bit. Yeah. Would you like to mention drives or shall I? No, go ahead. So when you have met a character, talk to them for a while. Normally they want something because everybody always wants something. Uh-huh. This is recorded in a log. They're known as drives. So what this person is aiming for, we talked about Fang earlier. He wanted yeah. us to hack into the cloud to have a nosy about for him. <laughs> that gets added into the journal or uh -huh. drives. So even that, everybody you meet, you will not forget about them. Everything is nicely tucked away, just ready for you to go back to whenever you might mm -hmm. want to. Because not everything's under a time limit. Yeah, not everything. And then a lot of times, like, I think this is a really cool uh, thing that they do. A lot of the quests, like, let's say you do something for Feng and mm -hmm. then Feng disappears for a while and your quest log for fang will just say like wait till fang comes back 
So then you have a lot of time to explore other stuff. And so you very rarely just head on like a super linear path uh, through one character's quest line. You're always bouncing around and then maybe even forget about Fang. Hey, suddenly Fang's back. What's going on with him now? Um, And it's, I don't know, it's just really, really well thought out uh, to keep you exploring, keep you talking to people and Mm -hmm. um, keeping you kind of checking out those new places that like, let's say I found this district of the eye and mm-hmm. like you said, you have to kind of do recon or bribe people or talk to people for a while before you get full access to those areas. So I couldn't do that earlier because I was doing stuff with Fang. Well, now Fang's gone. Now I have time. I can go snoop around and try to get more access and unlock new stuff. It's a very natural way of having the game just develop in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's, it's I will really have good. something to complain about this game. This has been far too nice. Oh, go on. <laughs> no, I'll think of something eventually. Oh, okay, okay. All right. <laughs> I believe in you. I believe in Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Gotta have faith. Something I don't believe that you could easily complain about, although I am giving you credit. You are. <laughs> you could be a master complainer. Um, I think this game looks great. We talked about the character portraits. Um mm-hmm. But the UI is generally understandable. Uh, The things that you need to do are front and center. They -hmm. do the Disco Elysium thing where text is on the right side uh, and the action is in the middle of the screen, which uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go back and play some of those old CRPGs like the the Baldur's Gates and stuff. But I've come to really love the text on the right side for these games that are full of reading. No, that's definitely one thing I can't complain about. It's displayed fantastically there was never a time where i was lost let's see there's a bit of user interface error but they're an indie team it's a pc game Mm -hmm. it's easily forgiven and once you get used to it it's not a problem anymore yeah the eye itself is uh kind of cool the way it looks um you're you're kind of the way it's presented, it's like a top-down look at the eye uh, sitting out mm-hmm. in space, and then you travel to nodes around it, and you click on, let's say, uh, the the mushroom chef's uh, food cart. Click mm-hmm. on that; it'll bring up his character portrait and his dialogue, etc. Then you back out, go to a new location, and stuff like that. Uh, but always, kind of with like the reaches of space out in the distance, um, the eye does really never takes up your entire screen no i did like the design too it doesn't open up right away you do have to explore quite a bit there's bits that are locked off from traveling off too until you get further into it Mm-hmm. yeah but it's quite imaginative it's i always pictured it as like a broken halo yeah it's there's a lot of imagination uh to the design there's a lot of backstory to the way the eye mm-hmm. is the way it is um and the way there's there's two main sections of it and the way that the one main section is very different from the kind of hub section and the story mm-hmm. reasons why that is, is very cool. Yes, if anybody thinks we're being a bit vague, it's simply because we don't want to spoil anything oh, that's, revolving I mean, that's, around this. That's par for the course on Tales from the Backlog, being it's vague about stuff like that. A delight to find out for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And we talked about those character portraits. Those are good. Um, the game mm-hmm. has a, a pretty cool, um, like futuristic color scheme of like kind of uh, white, reddish, pink for your cursor. The things you're highlighting. I don't want to call it neon because it's not that 
Mm -hmm. It's not like a cyberpunk neon. Yeah, but it definitely, it has that element. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't outright call it cyberpunk, but there's definitely elements of it in there in the design. There's elements in like the themes uh, Mm -hmm. and in the way things look, color schemes and cyborg characters and stuff like that. It looks cool. And um, the music uh, in the game, I was listening to the soundtrack earlier today. This is a great like background music when you're doing stuff um, because very smartly, the music in the game is not very melody heavy or intrusive on what mm-hmm. you're doing because you're reading most of the game. So the the music really takes a back seat to that. And it's it's a really pleasant kind of just futuristic spacey soundtrack. I have to say, when I was booting this up on my lunchtime break, mm-hmm. as I want to do, I had one earphone in and just the menu music starting got a reaction mm-hmm. out of me. Yeah. It's almost that slightly goosebump of the skin. I said, oh, I'm back. Yeah. It is definitely, so full disclosure, it's been a little while since I played probably two or three weeks since I got the last ending that I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did get on the soundtrack again today. Instantly brings you back. It's yeah. very distinctive uh, for the game. It's really nice as uh, background music, like I said. And for a game like this where you're <laughs> reading most of the time, that's good. It's it's good that this isn't like powerful driving melodies and there's no vocals and stuff like that to distract you. So when you have to do some dusting or hoovering, maybe yeah. throw on a Hades battle track or yeah. <laughs> Doom say, Eternals. On, that's when you put on Hades or Metal Gear Rising Revengeance or something like that. Yeah. You've ripped up about seven foot of carpet, but yeah. it's so clean. <laughs> it's a very aesthetically pleasing game, uh, other than kind of losing track of your cursor from time to time. But other than that, still runs really good um, on Switch. I never had any crashes or slowdowns or anything like that. The one nail of criticism we have, and we're going to keep beating it. Yeah. Sometimes (laughs) Sometimes, you lose your cursor. Sometimes you don't know where your cursor is. You might click the wrong thing. But (laughs) (laughs) Three out of ten. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm... I'm afraid I can't recommend this game. For the bin, for you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, get into some um, final thoughts, kind of in summary before spoiler time for Citizen Sleeper. Um, I'll go ahead and get it started. If it's not perfectly clear, I think that this game is really good. Easy recommendation. Um, if you're the type of person who wants uh, action in your games, this is not the game for you. But what it doesn't have in action, it makes up for in a really good, probably like two or three really good like game mechanic systems that all feed into each other and that all reinforce the story. And I really enjoyed the story and the characters that you meet and this kind of, yeah, stranger in a strange land kind of then becoming familiar, making friends, um, forming connections uh, type of story that this tells. I really, really enjoyed it. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. How do you follow that up? Yes, I am also very positive on this game. After playing it on Game Pass, I did buy it for PC, just so I can maybe play it in Steam Deck, possibly. I don't know if yeah. that's verified yet. Again, I should have done research before doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this game instantly clicked with me. I I don't want to say this is a cult classic. 
ahead of time because I would like to think more people will give it a chance. Mm-hmm. It's still being improved upon. Mm-hmm. There's story DLC coming out. Everything that has come out, it hasn't missed a beat. And I think, I mean, the user interface being the only complaints we can bring with a straight face, I would say that'll get ironed out in the future. Mm-hmm. And even if it doesn't, who cares? It's a fantastic game and you should play it. Yep. But what else are you doing with your life? <laughs> it feels like one of those games that uh, if you enjoy reading, mm-hmm. uh, this is this is going to give you a story that is kind of good enough to stand up with a lot of uh, novels. And then it has gameplay stuff that reinforces the story. And it's some of the highest praise that I can give a game is when a game has a really good story, a compelling yeah. story, and gameplay mechanics that back it up. Uh, it's, it's you know, it's like the ideal for video games. If we have talked about this game for so long now, yeah, while dancing around the story, while dancing around the strongest element of this game, yes, <laughs> cannot recommend highly enough. Yeah, easy recommendation. Uh, check it mm. out, especially if you're into... Uh, games that are mostly text-based your disco elysium your planescape torment kentucky route zero stuff like that definitely (laughs) excuse me do you have emotions then you should play this game yeah (laughs) and anytime i'm invoking the 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 game disco elysium in a favorable comparison to another game you got to play that other game right i can't think of many other titles that you actually do that with yeah it's it's a not many for sure so let's uh do a little housekeeping before we get into spoiler time and we can finally just let it out uh first things first where can people find um (laughs) wtfdyw just had to double check there i did yeah (laughs) well funnily enough you can find wtfdyw at (laughs) wtfdyw.co.uk very good really not natural at all yeah, uh, check down in the show notes uh, for a link if you want to check the website. Otherwise, uh, while I'm talking right now, you can just uh, ignore the Tales from the Backlog plugs and <laughs> type in WTFDYW in your podcast app. You'll surely find it with that lovely color scheme. You will not miss it. Yeah, you'll not scroll past that. No, there's no way. <laughs> Might cause a bleeding effect on your screen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for Tales from the Backlog... If you would like to support the show, the best things to do are to tell a friend uh, that you want to recommend a gaming podcast and then chase after them when they run away. Uh, If they block you, get a new phone, do what you got to do. Leave a rating (laughs) and review if you've enjoyed the show. (laughs) And um, consider joining the Discord server. Lots of cool people talking about video games. Consider supporting on Patreon. And please listen to my other show, A Top 3 Podcast, which is back from a little break where every episode is a top three list. So we are going to take a break when we come back. It's spoiler time for Citizen Sleeper.
Deadbeat Punk and I are back. Spoiler time for Citizen Sleeper. Time to just talk about the story without dancing around it. So I want to talk about kind of the first major threat that you face uh, before people's paths kind of start diverging into different endings and characters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The biggest threat is that you have this tracker uh, on you and they're going to send bounty hunters to come collect uh, your lifeless corpse or take you in alive uh, for your uh, work. So (laughs) what you have to do is uh, find a way to get rid of this tracker or find a way to deal with the bounty hunters. So, How did you deal with this? Well, if I can skirt back a little bit, and yeah. hopefully that doesn't throw us off record a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, right. Drago or Drago, the salvager. Mm-hmm. The guy who finds you. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you do enough work for him, you unlock the Winterlight uh, okay. ship that you can take apart. Right, yeah. Yeah. Did you do the forensic sweep of that? It's not ringing a bell, No. Okay, well, if you do the forensic sweep, it's a fantastic idea. You get a lot a lot of backstory. You come across logs. You find stories of the people that were on this because you don't know where the Winterlight came from. Right. It's just a ship that got delivered here to be broke apart for parts. Mm-hmm. But if you do the forensic sweep and you need to get high rolls for this because if you do low rolls, Drago gets suspicious, closes you, fires you out. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of this, you get a stabilizer because it turns out there was a sleeper aboard this. Oh. Which, interesting. You haven't met another sleeper. No. Turns out they escaped as well. They're in the exact same situation as you are. Mm-hmm. This ship was heavily modified. It had been in service for thousands of cycles. It was a reliable ship, but the reactor blew up and it looked like the reactor blew up because of outside interference Hmm. that you find out through your forensic sweep. This is your first indication of what happens when the bounty hunter finds you. Oh, okay. Because that is what happened to the ship. Uh, The bounty hunter came across it and took it down. What happened to the sleeper, you don't know. But after doing that and seeing to the lengths because everybody on board the ship was also killed. Mm-hmm. This is the sort of person that's haunting you. Right. And I thought that added such a level of threat to the game. Yeah, like, I so I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But I got that level of threat, maybe not as much as you did, but from the, just kind of like, putting the pieces together, they're saying like, a bounty hunter is going to come get you, yeah. knowing what your character can do. You don't have like, guns or anything like that and you never really get dice rolls or um not dice skill checks to like fight people or do physical yeah. things you're very clearly not a fighter so like <laughs> it's it's it, i never had the idea that like a bounty hunter is coming i'll just fight back i was like never crossed my <laughs> mind not as an option, option. no <laughs> no never but it was just this is what i meant earlier about your branches i mean you didn't get to experience this at all whereas i go every time even if it's for the item at the end of it Uh but i just found every bit of the story so compelling it put me right in the place and right when you start to realize and uh drago drago 
when you see how nervous he is when you're asking where did this ship come from what aren't you telling me Mm -hmm. because drago for his faults he does help you out he does you know he restores you to health he he offers you work when you first come out he is using you as a tool you're you're not a person to him but he's not unkind to you Mm -hmm. so it's a complex mix and then because you've done that he fires you on the spot i'm guessing (laughs) in your playthrough it's when the bounty hunter starts asking around for the sleeper he fires you after that and depending on your choices he tells you about people that are looking for you or he just shuts you down and goes i can't have anything to do with you you are danger yeah i think if i remember right that was why he kind of broke contact because he was like, can't have mm-hmm. you around like too dangerous with what's coming. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So sorry. I wanted to just circumvent back to that because I found that especially for the first interactions of the game, that just sets the mood so well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I like how, like it, it's obvious that Drago is using you to get work done. Uh, just, mm-hmm not unlike the former corporation, but he is somewhat friendly. He's somewhat helpful. And at the beginning of this game, that's the best that you can do. You don't have another choice. Like anyone who's not outwardly evil to you, you have to trust them. You don't have Mm -hmm. a choice. You are stranded without any lifelines. And I like that Dragos was the first character you came across because he's heavily augmented. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have eyes. He has visors. So he's, it sounds horrible when you say somebody's not completely human, but he's, he's a cyberpunk human. He seems to be, he's been amended in certain ways. Yeah. Able to empathize um, mm-hmm. with the sleepers a little bit. Um, so yeah. So the bounty hunters are coming. Oh, the other thing I love about the beginning uh, before we get to the bounty hunters is <laughs> um, finding out what happened to your ship. Um, yeah. So the ship that you came in on and how close they were when they were kind of disassembling the ship for scrap, uh, how close they were to just kind of cutting you in half. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was like a super close call um, at the beginning. And it like, I don't know, you, you had this, at least I had this kind of rosy image of like, yeah, just stow away on this ship. And when the ship arrives in port, I'll hop off and (laughs) everything will be fine. Now the ship got like fucked up. It's being turned in for scrap. Mm -hmm. You, they only found you because they're slicing through it with laser cutters or whatever and almost cut you in half. (laughs) Now they're like, fuck, there's a sleeper here. I've got to let him out, I guess. I enjoy that too. For anybody that does replay this, everything is just as refreshing the second time. Because mm-hmm. there's a certain a reinforced empathy to everything you read then. Mm-hmm. Because I do think, even though I read it the first time, I don't think it hit home as hard. Yeah. So after I beat the game and got credits, I started <laughs> a new file just to read the opening like <laughs> stuff again. Uh, kind of see how far you'd come from that first, um, you know, the the journey, like you said, shutting off function to your other limbs to keep mm-hmm. the core alive and stuff like that it's it's really good and then suddenly pretty much right from the get-go you are on survival mode you you got to figure out how to survive and there's going to be a bounty hunters uh, coming to get you so with the bounty hunters um 
I followed Fang's quest uh, through to the end in my playthrough. Did you manage to do that in time? I did, yep. Three times, but I think see, because I didn't like Fang, I always kind of left him in the back burner. <laughs> yeah. So but I did. Fang's quest is a real tease for a long time because it's not like you do a quest and then he removes your tracker. He removes mm-hmm. your tracker like right at the deadline of when you need it to be removed. Yeah. Um, even if you're successful. And so I did Fang's quest. He disappears for like a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back with more quests and they take a long time. And because so you kind of became find him in an area that isn't unlocked. So you, again, mm, yeah, you need to kind of know that the second time around, mm-hmm. because time is so short, you need to know, I need to have that unlocked. I need to have that ready. That's true. I did unlock the greenway pretty early. Like yeah. even before quests started showing up there, I mm-hmm. got a hold of a pass and unlocked it. That's the way to do it. Yeah. But yeah, I just, it was thinking about it because I know it is quite a lengthy quest and it, quite a difficult one even for a character that's leveled up yeah it was so like the early part where you're kind of just snooping stealing data and trying to Mm -hmm. surprise um i forget which faction leader you're trying to expose if it's solheim or harkin yeah harkin that's the character's name um Mm -hmm. uh you're trying to expose him and i that that wasn't very hard but that like we did that pretty early in the game and then Fang disappears for like a long time. And so I'm left here like, Hey, my fucking tracker, like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, just, can you just show up for one day and remove this tracker? But yeah, <laughs> it knew literally no takes good. forever. <laughs> yeah. So there are multiple ways to get off, but yeah, Fang seems like the best way because without the tracker that removes future bounty hunters. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Even if you follow Fang's quest, like, mm-hmm. okay, did you take off the tracker or, cause I think you can also get through this bounty hunter situation by gaining protection, right? Yeah. I've done this several ways. Okay. So you can get lifts off the planet or planet right. off the eye within mm-hmm. time. It It's tough, but it can be done. Mm-hmm. The other way is to befriend Ethan. Yeah. And so Ethan, uh, people listening, if you haven't played or if you played and kind of forget character names, Ethan is the first bounty hunter that shows up Mm -hmm. and he makes you kind of pay him for him to just not kill you immediately. He wants to hang out and drink and stuff like that. So you pay his tab at the bar, I believe. That's right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Because Ethan, with uh, the description earlier, he just shows up and arrests you. Whether you Mm -hmm. resist or don't, it does not change the outcome one bit. Yeah. And he decides. Sorry. I think you get a. I think you get like a dialogue, like an option to try to resist. Oh, I tried it and it does not. (laughs) Yeah, he he disarms you real quick, and he's like, "Dude, what the what the fuck do you think you're gonna do? Like, I'm a professional bounty hunter. You're." You're a dude. Sleepers are just kind of mechanical hoovers. Yeah. <laughs> sentience. <laughs> so, so yeah, you're, you have to pay for Ethan um, while he drinks and stuff at the bar. And then eventually 
you get a chance to, um, Ethan has a falling out with the bar and the patrons there and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of work with him afterwards, but I didn't at all. I was fully on Fang's quest line, even though Fang disappeared <laughs> for a long time and I didn't know if he was alive or dead or anything like that. I was like, uh, I don't really want to deal with Ethan. I didn't like him. I don't, yeah. he ends up being a very like, uh, Oh, what's the word? There's a lot of pathos to Ethan's story, but I didn't like him at that time. So I chose not to work with him. It is that case. People are victims of themselves sometimes. I think Ethan's certainly that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like every character, he has his backstory. He has his development. And it is interesting to see that unwind. So what happens if you kind of pursue the route with Ethan? Well, it can, it can factor. There is one point, because there is one point where you ignore him altogether, which I actually accidentally went through on one playthrough. Like, after he arrests you the first time, just ignore him? Yeah, ignored him then. When he yep. came up to find me again, I ignored him after that. And eventually it comes to a head. It finishes off the way the storyline does in other ways. But Ethan's not in great shape <laughs> yeah. um, at that point. But yeah, if you work with him, eventually he will ask you to regain his gun because he dropped it and the bartender keeps it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And there is a moment of the game where you carry this gun and you can give it back to him or you can keep right. it for yourself. Mm. And yes, you can actually use that in one of the outcomes. Against Ethan? No, against the bounty hunter that follows. Gotcha. Interesting. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, so I did the thing with Ethan. I paid him a few times until he had his falling out at the bar and he disappeared. And then he comes back and he says like, you know, you, we could work together. And I was like, nope, (laughs) nope. Not a chance. Uh, so he kind of disappeared in my game. And then, uh, by the way, uh, cop losing his gun, uh, very disco Elysium. So much, <laughs> yes. Tequila sunset. After that, did you do the quest with the uh, the other factions called Yagatan, I believe? Oh, if yeah. I wrote that down, if I'm not messing up my syllables here. Yeah, I was always uh, Yagatan, Yatagan. I don't know. <laughs> Look Again, up. it's one of those games because everything is displayed as text. It's not read out yet, unless it gets a fantastic director's cut, as it some is, other game did once. Yeah, it is Yatagan. So I missed, I switched those up when I wrote down the notes. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's like a, a leader or kind of officer uh, that offers you protection if you work for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't because again, I was all on team Fang. I was like, Fang's going to come through, even though he's never <laughs> come, come through to this point. You were really putting all those eggs in one basket. I was. Yeah, for one sure. Vanishing basket. Mm-hmm. Did you do this one where you work for the, uh, the officer? Dave, I did it all. You did it all. Okay. <laughs> so is that, does that have any interesting like story content there? Did you not get to do that quest line at all? No, I just ignored it. She asked yeah. me to wa- to do work for her, and I had other stuff um, I was doing, and I was on 
team Fang's going to come back. I, he promised me this time. <laughs> so I didn't do anything uh, in that at all. What happened with Sabine in your storyline? Yeah. Uh, Sabine got, I was doing a quest for, I think it was for her, uh, where she got captured. Mm-hmm. And then Yatagan took over the clinic. Yeah. And sold stabilizer at a kind of reduced price, I think. So I did that. But when the officer came and said, hey, you should work for me, mm-hmm. um, we can protect you. I was like, nope, Fang's coming <laughs> back, baby. <laughs> so I didn't I'm... do it. Team Fang. Yep. Yeah, that uh, their storylines are intertwined. It's a very interesting story. I'll, uh, I'll not okay. spoil it for you. I know this is the spoiler section, but. Oh, that's true. Does, does Sabine come back? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's cool. That was weird. I thought they took her to prison or killed her or something like that. <laughs> Ice boxed her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they sleepered her. Fuck. Uh, Sabine's they. Oh, okay. To them as she and her a few times. Yeah, sorry. What I noticed I had to say. Yeah. So Sabine does come back from um, the absence. I thought they were yeah. dead. Well, I can see why you would come to that conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just assume everybody has done the same thing and played through this game like four or five times. Just to see everything, (laughs) which everybody should do. Yeah. So I played it once. I got my ending and then Mm. I continued on with another side quest, got an ending there. And then I did the DLC, which is probably part one of a three part story, the way that I'm imagining it. Yeah. Uh, So I got two endings um, and I know of a couple others that I (laughs) just didn't pursue. Uh, does the this end up being part of an ending with this uh, this agent and Sabine? The conclusion, I don't think, ends with you getting off the eye. Okay. But I, I liked it. it. It improved the situation on the eye. And if... Nice. That is something I noticed about all the stories, even if they didn't conclude with you escaping. Yeah. Everything seemed to make the situation you found yourself in slightly better Mm -hmm. which i think is a fantastic message whether it's intentional or not it's a very intelligent game i'm sure it is intentional (laughs) yeah it is a very intelligent game for sure um so i did fang's quest and fang's quest basically takes the length of the game as you have this other like after you deal with ethan now you have this bigger, badder bounty hunter that's coming to get you. I forget mm-hmm. the name, but it was intimidating. Marwick? Less intimidating that was in my head, but still pretty I intimidating. Might not be right. <laughs> <laughs> Maywick. Maywick. Okay, close. All right. <laughs> so Maywick is coming and mm-hmm. um, it's, you get one of those like decreasing timer wheels, but it, it takes a lot. It's, I don't know, with just off the top of my head, like, 25 cycles or more it's a lot you have a lot of time but they are coming and i finished fang's quest with about five cycles to go and remove the tracker (laughs) there's a lot going on with fang's quest he he disappears forever and then um fang comes back and you have to they are going to go through they're going to infiltrate this place you have to go into like the hacking matrix and Open yeah, up. before you even get that far, don't you have to do the noodle runs and 
Yeah, you have but you have to do that a, a couple times. Uh, mm-hmm. Once before, and then once while Fang is like attempting the infiltration. So there's a so, lot of steps to do while you're looking at that ticking clock. Yeah, and it, so it's a good thing that I, I was like, a, by this point in the game, I was like a master of interfacing um, because mm-hmm. I also did the vending machine quest, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, Fang is successful, finally removes your tracker. And I think like at the end, Fang is like celebrating with you. It's like, you know, we did it. We we succeeded. And uh, yeah, everything's going to be great. So yeah, I'll see you later. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, my tracker, come on. Like it's it's been literally the entire game, my tracker. <laughs> and I think like Fang's like, oh, uh, yeah, you 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 look like you right the tracker right okay let me uh let me figure that out always knew fang was a prick yeah cheeky (laughs) bastard yeah so that's what i did to get rid of the tracker and no more bounty hunters and no ethan for me even though um i have read about ethan's story and i think it's Mm -hmm. pretty good it might be one of like my favorite kind of character not character arcs but like what you see versus what's under the surface, you know, like the backstory. I like that a lot with Ethan. Fang is just kind of like a happy hacker, social justice dude. (laughs) Well, even with Fang, it it isn't even that. There is a part when you've discovered what Harkin has been up to. And he talks about, you know, his family building up Mm -hmm. on the station, you know, the suffering everybody's been through. So, yeah, you can. There's a justifiable anger in him mm-hmm. that you wouldn't guess from the happy-go-lucky. That's true. Sorry, you were going to say. Did you do much of that, like, or did you get into those kind of warring factions and like the history and the rise of the Eye type backstory? Uh, because oh, yeah. there's a lot of that with Fang's uh, quest. It's so rich. There's a lot there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the previous company self. Solheim, I think it's Solheim. what it's called. Uh, so you had Solheim that developed it, and then you have Haven Age that are in right. control now. And yeah, there's so much there below the surface. And yeah. I do like that when games are rich in backstory, they normally throw it in your face at every shot. Do you know how hard I worked on this lore? Eat it. <laughs> Whereas it's it's there ready to be discovered if you want to look into it. I think you get a lot of it through Fang's quest line because then mm-hmm. you you deal with Harkin and um, you see a lot of the history uh, of the Eye. This like warring faction stuff is something that I rarely get into mm-hmm. in games or... Again, it's the same as the cyberpunk Reploid sleeper. It's a mm-hmm. cliche. We've seen it all before. Yeah. But when it's treated with love, care, and really, really yeah. built with passion, it stands on its own. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. Uh, I mm-hmm. just didn't like... This is just something that I generally don't get super into. I enjoyed yeah. reading about it. It just didn't stick with me as much as thinking about sleepers as a concept mm-hmm. or um, the the AI stuff, which is in like the uh, the vending machine... Um, well, the AI is fantastic for history lessons, too. Yeah. Of course, they've been there since the station was first developed. Mm-hmm. Do you want to move over to the cloud? Yeah, so both of us 
spend a lot of time doing this like hacking stuff and this kind of shadow running, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this was um like I spent time in there doing quests and it ended up being a good place to uh make some money and stuff like that. But I did the vending machine navigator AI quest, which yes. led me to my first ending. So I followed this all the way to my first ending in the game. Um, so as you, at the beginning of the game, when you first go into the kind of cyber realm and you start hacking and stuff like that, uh, you'll start to encounter this AI called a hunter, mm-hmm. um, that's in there trying to catch you. And like the descriptions when like the hunter is attempting to catch you and you like the feelings that, uh, your character has, um, and the kind of immediacy that you feel like you have to have to escape is mm-hmm. really good. And then a bar starts filling up on subsequent times, like hunters coming. <laughs> yes. It's like an antivirus. Yeah. Monster. It's a sentient antivirus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Monster. And the, the character portrait for the hunter is crazy. It's real good. Yeah. Whenever that portrait appears, you also get the sound, the digital roar it does. Mm-hmm. And it do, it it can give you a case of the willies. It's it, it gets slowly louder the higher the gauge goes. Yep. And then it appears with it. A lot of good design choices in this game. Yep. Yeah, especially like aesthetically, you know, drawing, mm-hmm. sound design and stuff like that. It's really good. Uh so I know you said you did as much as you could, if not everything in the game, <laughs> but your first, like your first playthrough, did you follow this uh, navigator quest line? Did indeed. Uh, do you want to cut to like the the resolution of it or? Yeah. So um, I did uh, the navigator quest, which uh, there was this, this AI that was being hunted by the hunter mm-hmm. and escaped into a vending machine and has been just kind of trapped there for a long time. And you start by finding what appears to be a sentient vending machine with the AI saying like, let me out. And you're like, <laughs> what is that? Should I let this thing out? You know, it is one of the options to say, huh, but you're a vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. I don't associate with talking vending machines, Mr. AI. You'll have to stay in there. Very sorry. <laughs> it is when you start going into the digital side of things to NeoVend is the vending machines name at that time. Mm-hmm. And they empathize with the sleeper in a way the human characters can't. Right. You are an emulation of a human mind mm-hmm. in a frame, nothing more. And how you see your character throughout the whole game always changes because you don't know how much humanity you have. Yeah. And I think Neoven was a new spark of you aren't human. And it's a stark reminder. Yeah. The the fact that you're able to go into this kind of cyber world at all mm-hmm. and associate with this, this is not something that humans can do. You're doing no. things that, you know, if you were human, you couldn't do this. So you're right. It is a kind of reminder, but it is also part of the benefits mm-hmm. of your situation that you're able to go do that. So first, first of all, you have to deal with the hunter uh, mm-hmm. before you can conclude in this quest line. And I like uh, the the way that you deal with it is or at least the way i did i don't know if there's multiple ways is there no you have to unlock things in reality on the station and then hack into them 
in yeah. the cloud afterwards. Yeah. They think it's pretty straightforward. So you find a way to kind of trap the hunter in its own computer logic. Mm-hmm. And so it gets stuck in this endless computer logic loop, uh, which makes it harmless. Can't do anything. And there was like a slight moment at, cause you just leave it like that. And there's a slight moment at the end where I felt really sad for the hunter because it's now stuck in this perpetual mm-hmm. logic. It will never escape from this. You do ask because Neo Vend, once it's been released back into the network, it becomes mm-hmm. the navigator. Right. The navigator seems much more cruel than Neo Vend was because you ask, you know, is the hunter in pain? Yeah. And I'd say it doesn't have enough semblance to feel pain it's nothing and they regard you on the same level as the hunter you as it does Mm. itself you are all just bits of information that got delusions of grandeur yeah and the fact that part of the hunter's story the way it's why it's attacking you and why it's just attacking everything around you Mm. around it blindly is because it's just been there too long and the um, the program, the AI, was not built to be stable for as long as it's been in there. So now mm-hmm. it's just wild, attacking everything it sees. And yeah, you just leave it in this alt, this never-ending logic conundrum. And uh, see ya. <laughs> Poor hunter. Yeah. So it genuinely like felt bad for the hunter after, for a while in the game, thinking that the hunter is like, Oh, yeah, the only exactly truly evil is, thing predator. in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you go up into the eye itself, which I don't think we've mentioned. Oh, up on the uh, the tower? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you have to deal with Killer, which is a similar AI. Yes. And I didn't write notes down for this part. Oh, no, it's quite similar to Hunter. And then once you deal with Killer, that opens up Greenway's network. Right. Because up until that point, you can't access or you can't interface with Greenway, which is the last portion you unlock. Sorry, my dogs are going fucking wild right now. (laughs) Yeah, so I had been to Greenway and I had attempted like several times to kind of interface with that cyber realm. And Mm -hmm. it's foggy. And you find out that that's because there's just like uncountable numbers of AI just swimming around free in there. Mm-hmm. And um, this uh, requires you to join the uh, the Hyphia commune. I think that's how you pronounce that. Talk mm-hmm. to the leader, grow some mushrooms. We didn't talk about the mushrooms much after a lot of buildup at the beginning <laughs> of the episode, but um, <laughs> get some mushrooms. Um, and then she kind of guides you, kind of like the old leader of the commune, Mm-hmm. She kind of guides you in there to go kind of see what's in there, make contact and stuff like that. And it's described in a really cool way where you have a, a physical thread connecting you, connecting your consciousness, I guess, with the real world, uh, the yeah. non-cyber world. And you have a choice uh, at the end here to make contact and then return back uh, to the physical world or to mm-hmm. cut the thread and just assimilate into this sea of AI. So this was my first ending. Uh, was this the first 
ending that you got or were you following a different quest? No, I went in a different direction, but this was a this was a powerful ending. It was. So which one did you pick? To cut the thread or to return? Both. But originally I returned back to the eye and then curiosity Same. got me, yeah, to because it was so tempting for the sleeper. You could live for eternity with yeah. like minded this was not the end this was you can escape everything you'd no longer have to worry about your failing body i mean i don't want to draw the line to euthanasia at any point but that's kind of the the vibes i got from the writing well there's been especially in these like sci-fi stories with emulated consciousness and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it's a um I don't know if you played the game Soma, but it's a very Mm -hmm. similar type of situation. I'm pro-euthanasia in Soma. Um, Yeah. So it is that escape, like you said. Cutting the thread allows you to escape all the problems that come along with being a sleeper and just kind of thrive in this sea of AI that are in there. Mm -hmm. And with everything that the sleeper has been through, that could pretty easily be seen as a good ending, I think. Yeah. And I think even given the storylines, you could you could picture the character doing that for themselves. Right? They've earned that up to that point. Everything they've, they've earned been it, through. Yeah. yeah. Neither of us did that, though. So, Because no. the sleeper's a fighter. Yeah. They have things left to do. Yeah. Uh, well, my sleeper still did have drives uh, to follow and stuff like that. But... It, I thought that this was choosing an ending for the game. It would be the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And I would have to start a new game if I wanted to do the other stuff. <laughs> so like picking this ending to go back means choosing all the hardships that come along with being alive mm-hmm. um, for the possibility of happiness and love and things like that, which in stories where you're dealing with emulated consciousness and like whether or not this is life, like real life, you know, choosing a decision like this is choosing the good and the bad that come along with like mm-hmm. a real life, you know? Yeah. It was an amazing and just how it unfurls as you read through it too. Yeah. Yes. Once again, the writing. Yeah. <laughs> I took, I took screenshots of this because I I do that with quotes. I have a lot of Disco Elysium screenshots too of Mm. quotes that I just think are, or paragraphs that I just think are excellent. And this ending was really good. Both endings feel like choices that the sleeper has earned, you know? Yeah. Like if the sleeper wants to fuck off into the, like the sea of AI consciousness free from any like physical needs or anything like that, they've earned, they've been through a lot. Oh, definitely. And both options are viable. You can understand why they would choose either one. It's not like mm-hmm. there was a good choice and a bad choice. Right. The whole game is coated in this lovely sheen of moral grey. Yeah, and it, both both choices could be seen as good and bad, mm-hmm. which is which is excellent. And for a a game that's dealing with themes of like, you know, what's real life, what's what does it mean to actually be human? You know, this kind of robot AI stuff that mm-hmm. sci-fi touches on from time to time. I think this game and this ending in particular handles that like really, really well. It's great. I mean, it is amazing. Being a sleeper is just, it's a metaphor for whatever may exclude you from what you view as society. 
I mean, mm-hmm. the sleeper itself, it could be disability, it could be identity, it could be anything. Yeah. I mean, or if you want to look at it more face value, people mm-hmm. living under like crushing debt from uh, capitalist society, stuff like that. I think there's very few people on the planet that couldn't empathize with what the sleeper goes through at some right. point in their lives. Yeah. Even people like us who have it pretty well off, right? We're still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Straight we're still. Um, yeah. <laughs> people like us who have it well off in many ways, uh, still under the pressures that the sleeper is under to a much lesser extent, of course, but everyone can empathize with being in debt or, you know, not making enough money to pay for Mm -hmm. what you need, uh, or not making enough money to pay for what you want at the very least. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's really, really good. This ending got a real rise of emotion from me. Well, if we're doing emotional endings, um, yeah. Did you manage to do the shipyard workers ending, Lem? Lem. Okay, I don't think I ever met that character. Oh, Dave. Yeah. Oh, Dave. <laughs> uh, Lem and Mina, he is paired with a child character. Okay, nope, definitely never met them. Oh, all right, next time. Scrap, next time I scrap play. it. I mean, my game is st- <laughs> my we game is still meet back here when you have finished. <laughs> yeah, meet you back here in a week after I finish it. Um, <laughs> my game's still going. I can easily go back and and play it, but it's good. Yeah, there is the shipyard close to the container where you started, and right. you have to do a bit of work there, and you eventually befriend a worker, Lem, who is in the care of a child, Mina. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get involved, you help them because they're working towards a lottery. And if you work, you get a lottery ticket off the station. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you work because you have to look after the child while Lem works on occasion. Oh, okay. It's a fantastic story. This is the one and it's got multiple branches and endings and I went back to get them all and oh yeah do play that one okay yeah so when the next dlc comes out i'm definitely going <laughs> to pick the game back up and play the next dlc chapter but since i picked the ending to stay on the ship and i even if you cut the thread and assimilate i wonder if it just loads you back at an it does load save. you back yeah okay so i still have my save file my, I didn't say this in the non-spoiler part, but my character is richer than God now. Like <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about stabilizer or money anymore. For as stressful as the beginning of the game is, yeah, as we were joking about mushrooms earlier, mushrooms are your savior. You eat them to restore energy and you can find magic mushrooms that actually get turned into stabilizer and can heal your condition. Yeah, I think... I don't know what it is. I think now there's one thing in the game. It's like a, you're playing like an exchange, like you're gambling or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I got the ability where I can reroll dice. And so I can just make a hundred, you know, chits every day. No problem. So stabilizer is not really a problem anymore. Nothing's a problem. And even if you go down the line of growing mushrooms, you can sell them on the market. Yeah. And you can grow a lot of mushrooms. Yep. So when you when I go back, I'm kind of free to just explore storylines and not really worry about survival stuff mm-hmm. anymore. And you know what? 
maybe if this game is uh this game is anti-capitalist but my characters earned it <laughs> like <laughs> much more than jeff bezos or people like that my characters fucking earned it been through some Claude, shit you're way up from a container yeah and now you've got the biggest book selling website on the eye <laughs> and you might branch out to other products i don't yeah. know mushroom we'll door we'll delivery yeah mushroom so, delivery uh ankita the mercenary did you do that storyline i did not they have a broken ship oh yes okay that's the mercenary mm-hmm. with the broken ship i couldn't remember the mercenary's name but i remember mm-hmm. bliss the mechanic did you do bliss's line i did yeah all the way to the very end to the end yes uh so uh, how did that end out of curiosity because it's another one that intertwines it could go well so those two storylines uh intertwine so the mercenary mm-hmm. uh, who's looking for their partner on yeah. the ship who kind of deserted you find them in the greenway they were stealing supplies to try and keep a sleeper alive that's right um, that they fell in love with which it was another basically is another experience with a dead sleeper where it's just like man sleepers just don't last do they <laughs> don't build them like they used to yeah so that was uh kind of interesting and i left that you complete that quest line not knowing if you can trust the mercenary at all right yeah and that was the one where i was talking about earlier where i had a a ship mind um oh of course thing, yeah for like a Neovent. full one mm-hmm. i had given that to somebody else and then literally the next time next person i talked to was the mercenary like give me a ship mind and i was like fuck where am i going to get another one of those <laughs> so yeah uh that actually ends up in a way to get off the station yeah yeah so i did all the quests with bliss and mm-hmm. i forget bliss's helper in the shop um who comes and grabs you moritz sounds about right i did that quest line i like that quest line too because uh you're putting in time which is or mm-hmm. you're putting in dice which is your most valuable resource and bliss just keeps getting fucked over by their customers. Yeah. And so you don't see shit from all the help you've been giving them for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, and then that mercenary comes in and it'd been a couple of hours since I saw them, but I was like, Oh, you, you're, you're a dangerous person. I don't know if I can trust you. Mm-hmm. And you're, that ends up in being a way that you can get off the eye. Because it was the reckless disregard and Kita had for the sleeper. You did not mm. know it was dead until she... Right. I think they ripped the... There was a critical part Yeah, that they removed. Right. And also, Kita finds their uh, old partner and just fucking mm-hmm. kills him. Yeah. Like, straight up. So I was like, oh, I don't know. Can I trust this person? You know? Uh, so I don't know what I would have done if this was my first ending but i had already made the choice to stay on the ship mm-hmm. and not assimilate into the ai in the greenway so you have a choice to get on the ship and leave the station again and at this point i was like hey, you know what this is i'm staying here staying <laughs> on the eye what did you do stayed on the eye as well yeah wanted to help moritz help in the new garage yeah it was cool how uh, they kind of pass the ship or pass the garage down to uh, to Moritz. Well, Moritz is in a similar situation to the sleeper. He was just 
he was a hooligan from the slums of mm-hmm. the A, and he's worked his way up to a respectable position. He's a business owner. Yeah. So, yeah, there are comparisons you can draw with a lot of characters in The Sleeper themselves. Mm-hmm. You're not as alone as you first think. Right. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of people on the eye who they might not have bodies that are deteriorating at the rate that the sleepers are, but their mm-hmm. life is not easy. Everyone's no. got everyone's got problems on the eye. The eye is not a great place to live. <laughs> so, did you unlock the full story with Emphis, the guy that cooks the mushrooms? I did. Yeah, I finished that story. Yeah, I thought that was beautifully written. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I like the, I just like the characterization of the, the humble street merchant, you know, cooking mushrooms. And then when you finally get them to open up, uh, mm-hmm. there is a lot of like really good backstory there. Everybody has a life. Everybody has a story. And yep. So true in life. So true in this game. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down on mine, uh, on my notes, uh, those were the main quests that I did. Uh, there's mm-hmm. probably other characters that I talked to, uh, but I didn't fully complete any other side quests. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these, they take a long time to complete. Did so they, yeah. that's the big thing other than the DLC, the refugees uh, DLC. <laughs> well, when you go into your drives it will list anybody you've met if they do have critical path request right it's all there waiting for you so even if you go back to an old save you'll it'll not take you long to get back on right but you did the dlc yeah and like i said when dlc 2 comes out i'll Mm. probably go in clean up a few more side quests do dlc number two oh you have to go uh, meet lem and mina that's yeah okay i promise i I will go do that (laughs) you've left out the most important character in the entire game who's that did you fix up the apartment i didn't no because it was like presented to me as like um (laughs) i'm sorry for disappointing you so much um i'm nearly in tears yeah (laughs) it 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 was like a it was presented to me as fix up this apartment and you'll have a place to live. And I was like, <laughs> I already have three places to live. I don't need to mm-hmm. fix this apartment. Cause I had the commune. I had the place up by bliss's mm. uh, shop. And then I had the cargo container where I could sleep. So what's, what's going on with the apartment? I don't want to spoil it for you, but <laughs> okay. you meet right. somebody there. Yeah. And they're the best character in the game. Shit. I fucked it all up. Yeah, See, I should have played this game this. six times like you did. <laughs> <laughs> Played it six times. Can't remember all the names. Research. Well, <laughs> okay. So there's my checklist. When I go back for the second DLC, um, I have to do Lem and Mina, and then I have to fix up that apartment, which would be. <laughs> will this be your first episode with a part two? Ah, man, it might. Ha- <laughs> there might be enough content for like a a follow up for Citizen Sleeper. <laughs> um, so DLC. So mm. the DLC has a um, a nice little story where there are some refugees that are just kind of hanging out. They need your help. You need to bring them um, mushrooms because everything runs on mushrooms of course. in order to start. Uh, and this, if you're listening to this uh, and you didn't play the DLC, you can stop listening. But before you stop listening, uh, know that there's a time pressure for the DLC 
and you should be at end game to do it. And I think the game even tells you that. Yeah, it does let you know that it is end game. Right. So you need to be stocked, stocked up on You want to have your stats built up. You want to be in good condition. You want to have plenty of yeah. money. And you want to have access to mushrooms. So um, <laughs> I like the story here. So what's, what's going on is there's um, refugees that are kind of trapped in here because there's a, a quarantine and they it's it's set up as like a very kind of real world parallel to refugees where you want to help the refugees but you don't want to piss off the people in charge because they'll take it out on the refugees and future mm-hmm. refugees and so in addition to this time pressure you also have like this pressure of success to not fuck this up because if you do it's going to be way harder for these refugees and all refugees in the system. Mm-hmm. Life's going to be worse for them. So you want to help them, but you got to do it right. It does seem to be quite a hot topic at the moment too. For some reason, all the refugees are being quarantined. Because yeah. if you're going to introduce that many people into what is essentially an ecosystem. Yeah. You probably do have to be careful, so you can understand why the officials may be hesitant. Mm-hmm. In a, but these people need help. Yeah, in a, a space station is a much more enclosed ecosystem than mm-hmm. a country in the real world. So, like, you do get a sense, like you said, that the officials running the station, they do have to be careful, yeah. but the people need help. They, they're... I mean, there's, I believe they're starving uh, mm-hmm. if you don't help them. That's why you have to bring them mushrooms. Mushrooms solve everything. <laughs> so there is, you need to get scrap metal as well, I believe. Yeah, you need food, water, and scrap. Because mm-hmm. I think you need to upgrade the ship. You need to bribe certain officials for a clear run to and back from the refugees. Yeah, there's kind of a... Uh, smuggling run that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're going to run this stuff to them and then try and get back uh, going never, through the blockade. I never thought a text adventure would be as tense. Yeah. It's like a kind of final climactic scene in Star Wars where they're mm-hmm. making a kind of run like this. It's It's real good. So like I was feeling the pressure. The time pressure was not a problem mm-hmm. because I have so many resources, I don't need to spend extra time making money. I just have all the money I need and more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the pressure of not fucking it up so that you don't make things worse for everybody. Just trying to think, because even though there's no time pressure, you do have to be careful with it. The first time, is it Ash? The character Ash, she... Mm-hmm. But if you complete some of their tasks, they will take off before the countdown's finished. Oh, okay. So you kind of, when I did it the first time, it wasn't a completely successful run and it wasn't a ending I was very happy with. Oh. So on the second time, I juggled both the tasks. Okay. So I didn't finish either and then was able to finish them both within the same cycle. So what happened in that first run if it wasn't successful? They made it to the refugees and they didn't make it back. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's rough. 
Yeah, it, it was not happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. Mine was a uh, kind of rousing success um, because I don't know. Well, I guess, like you said, if you do stuff too fast, then they'll leave too mm-hmm. quickly. Is that right? Yeah. Interesting. I'm not sure how that, how you would so have done everything too do fast. Peak, peak is the more kind of hospitality based of the two. Uh huh. So they're the one looking for supplies, mushrooms, the like. I think Ash is the one that needed scrap metal. And I think I had an abundance of that. So I got them done first and then I had to go looking for the rest. Okay. But when you got Ash finished, they just took off. Oh, okay. Even though you I think had I did do the food and water first mm-hmm. then. Yeah. That's probably it. Yeah. So, yeah, rousing success. Um, but it was like, it, even with that, it was one of those kind of endings where it's like, we did it. The work's not done. This yeah. is just, you know, now the, the people first there, step. they're, yeah, this is the first step people still need help. And so it's going to be continuing in the next DLC pack. Mm-hmm. So which um, again, writing fantastic yeah. writing. Yep. Really looking forward to that. It's going to, well, the next two DLC packs, it's going to yeah, just, can we just drop a note to say free DLC. That's amazing. Yeah. We, <laughs> we should highlight that whenever DLC is free, instead of just throwing around that it's DLC, Rather like you than- have to pay $20 for it. DLC that comes with the season pass that is mediocre at best. Uh, man, I was watching the Nintendo Direct earlier today, and <laughs> it was like Xenoblade Chronicles 3 DLC. And it's like, Robot Girl. You pay your season pass and you unlock this Robot Girl and challenge modes and swimsuit <laughs> skins for all the characters. And I was like, the Just fuck? what but, I was waiting for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Citizen Happy birthday Sleepers. to me. <laughs> <laughs> Citizen Sleepers giving you uh, free, great story content uh, mm-hmm. with excellent writing and characters and political situations. Really, really good. Got to give them credit for that. And to keep the quality as high as the base game. It's yeah. Well done. And it's not like Citizen Sleeper came out years ago and they've had years to work on this. Oh, it, no. It came out, what, six months before the first DLC, something like that, mm-hmm. if that. Like, not super long ago. No. All right, cool. Any other uh, storylines you want to touch on before we finish up here? No, I, I will leave it at that. Anything that I wanted to go into detail about, I I think it comes as like a stamp of quality. I genuinely don't want to take that away from you or anybody that hasn't experienced it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Well, at the very least, uh, when I get to those, I'll definitely hit you up. And uh, oh, we'll talk about those. <laughs> so stay tuned for part two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll see. It could be the only one with an update. Um, Podcasts with free DLC. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a good time. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Citizen Sleeper with me. Oh, not a bit. Thank you for the invite, and it is a pleasure to talk about this game. And to you, you're a lovely human. Game first, though. <laughs> Better game. <laughs> <laughs> my man all right well uh thank everybody for listening uh we appreciate you very much and yeah check out uh wtf 
Now I got to check the acronym. Check it out uh, on your favorite podcatcher. Again, down in the show notes, you will find a link uh, where you can easily find it um, or just search that lovely acronym in the search bar. It's a good time if you need a place to start. I talked about Yakuza, but you're sure to find a, uh, a subject that you really like. And yeah, recommendation for that once again. And tune in next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog.